Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good afternoon, listeners. This is the DOGS program. The Australian Council for Defence of Government Schools are here every Saturday at 12 noon. And we're here to promote and to defend public education. And the education system that we wish to defend is uh, free. It is secular. That is, uh, it is part of the seculum, the secular part of society, not the religious part of society. And it is also universal. It should be open for all children and they should all have an opportunity, an educational opportunity in our democracy. Uh, For this reason, it should be public in purpose and outcome. It should also be accessible, publicly accessible. It should be publicly owned and controlled. Private-public partnerships and the funding of private sector schools should not be there. It should not be on at all if we want a strong public education system. For that reason, public education should enjoy sole public funding because it's the only one that can be accountable. Uh, And, of course, our governments, state and federal, all our governments, if they claim to be democratic governments, democratically elected and representative governments, they should be spending only our taxes on public education and they should provide us with a first-rate system. Now, certainly since 1960, this has not been the case. And the middle-class parents, as well as the working-class parents, in the inner cities of Sydney and Melbourne and elsewhere too, are suddenly realising that the provision of a public education for their child is no longer a right. It's nothing that they can take for granted. So here's press release 658, which is on our website at www.adogs.info. City schools for city kids. Now, parents have always had to make a lot of noise and develop political clout in every generation in order to obtain, maintain and save their public schools. The dogs have been around for a long time and we've seen this again and again and again. I think the most famous example is the uh, battle for the Richmond Secondary College, which occurred uh, under Kennett in the 1990s, 93-94, and there is a book about this battle which is obtainable at 3CR. So if you ring up 3CR, you can order this book and you can contribute towards the running of 3CR and the dog's uh, radiothon. 
Now, even the middle class and the inner city parents are discovering that they have to fight to even obtain a public school for their child to go to. But they're on the move. And dogs have received this email from the City Schools for City Kids group. And this is what came over our website, uh, sorry, our email address during the week. School overcrowding in Melbourne has been in the news lately. And Julie, who is of the City Schools for City Kids group, spoke with John Fain on ABC 774 Radio about our kids learning in fire escapes and corridors because local schools are beyond capacity. And here's a quote, because she was reported in the Herald Sun. This is what she said. Children have even been asked to bring in headphones so they can listen to lessons on their iPads as there's four teachers competing against each other in a double classroom jammed with a 100 children. Now, take North Melbourne Primary School, for example. Some of our kids are learning to read and write in unheated stairwells. The government is really keen to invest in building Victoria as the education state, except the state of education for our city kids is nowhere near it needs to be. Now, I'm very interested in this, of course, because my grandson goes to North Melbourne Errol Street Primary School, and it's a great school, I can tell you. He's getting a wonderful education there, but I've noticed that uh, the school is just coming apart at the seams because they closed down, Kennett closed down two other city schools in the 1990s. Now, the city schools for city kids uh, are making some noise and people are starting to pay attention about the need to build schools in the city to ease overcrowding and provide some much-needed community infrastructure. Everyone, except the Minister for Education and the Deputy Premier, James Merlino. So they haven't promised a school for either Docklands or North Melbourne, although they could quite easily reopen up in Queensbury Street an old school with quite a lot of land attached. And they're very foolish because they're going to lose North Melbourne to the Greens. This is mean. This is not city schools for city kids. Um, uh, This is my reasoning, uh, listeners. Uh, And the Greens have actually taken up the city schools for city kids um, plea for new schools in the in the inner city. Now they are emailing the minister the following picture which was taken out of the front of North Melbourne Primary School to show him that the situation is now critical. And outside the school on their on their fence you can see this 2166 kids by 2031. And so the City School for City Kids are asking us to join them in writing to Minister Merlino to tell him that there's one easy fix in the overcrowding problem, just to build more schools. Or the dogs suggest you just take a few others over. For example, why not take over the Haleyberry College, although it would cost $52 million, which is ridiculous, um, down in King Street. Now, I know you're busy, so I've written a sample letter. Of course, you're welcome to draft your own and we need to make sure that the minister hears the real stories of overcrowding in our area because our kids are not just statistics. And so that is signed by Michelle and Julie, City Schools for City Kids. 
And uh, they have an open letter to Minister Molino, which reads as follows. Dear Minister Molino, I'm so disappointed that there wasn't money in the 2016 budget for a CBD or Docklands school for our city kids. There are currently children in the CBD and Docklands with no inclusive school to go to. They've got private schools, of course, but not inclusive schools. I like that word, inclusive local school, don't you? Neighbouring schools in North Melbourne and Port Melbourne, for which Docklands children are zoned, already have far more students than what was stated in the Stage 1 Docklands School Provisions Report, and enrolments are consistently growing at a much greater rate than projected. The City of Melbourne is the fastest growing metropolitan area in Australia, and yet school infrastructure has not kept up with the population growth. We understand money was committed for schools in South Melbourne, Pran, Richmond and other areas. However, due to local population growth, these schools will soon also be full. And our kids in the city deserve schools in their own area. A solution to this overcrowding cannot wait. These neighbouring schools do not have enough room to accommodate the number of relocatable classrooms required to accommodate their surging student populations, even in the short term, without having a detrimental impact on outdoor play and education activities that are crucial for optimal child development. Minister, please let me know when you will be able to commit funding for CBD or Docklands schools. We will continue to advocate for this important cause until we see new schools in the City of Melbourne for our kids. Well, unless the Labor Party comes to the, par- comes to the party uh, with these schools, I would suggest that there is one other party. There are other people who actually have worked out where the votes are. There are now a large number of disaffected Labor and Liberal parents in the city that, with the huge mortgages they've got to even live there in the first place, are not looking at private schools to do the job but are demanding the right to a public education for their children. So uh, that's all very interesting. Now, uh, it's going to be an education election in the federal sphere as well as the uh, state sphere. And uh, there's been some very interesting developments. We told you a few weeks ago that Save Our Schools had gone on holiday for the, uh, until August, till after the election. But I would suggest that the people who are associated with Save Our Schools are certainly not on holiday And on their website, and our website too, uh, you can find that they have been uh, very effective lobbyists and they are getting quite a lot of coverage. Uh, They're pretty smart cookies. We don't necessarily agree with them. Finally, we believe they will come around to our position. You shouldn't give any money to private schools. It's a no-brainer. It's proved a no-brainer for a long, long time. They are at the position where they think Gonski is the no-brainer. But even if you go back to 1973 and the first needs policy, it has never worked because private schools are not and never have been about the needy children, the children who are disadvantaged. No, no, no. There might have been a bit of... uh, crying about the poor little parish schools back in the 60s, but the parish school that's poor has long, long, long since become a myth 
because the situation has been reached and it's now evidence-based that people can say that some Catholic schools get more than the local public school, even though their students are not as disadvantaged. Now, the people in Save Our Schools have also got a very interesting group going called the CBD, sorry, the CPD, which is called the Centre for Policy Development. And those of you who uh, actually get newspapers might have noticed that both the Fairfax Media, The Guardian and the Inside Story Group, not crikey as far as I've noticed, um, have been using their material. Now, what is this Centre for Policy Development? Uh, I've done off their latest production, which is called Uneven, Uneven Playing Field, The State of Australia's Schools. It is an 87-page uh, document uh, which uh, has been written by the CPD's uh, researchers. So what is this CPD, Centre for Policy Development? It's an independent, values-driven and evidence-based policy institute. It's a think tank, but it's not a right-wing one or even a left-wing one. Their motivation is an Australia that embraces the long-term now. We approach the future with purpose, rigour and ambition, committed to shared prosperity and sustainable well-being. CPD's policy development is geared towards an Australia that is equitable, aspirational and truly prosperous and enlivened by the challenge of shaping a better future at home and abroad. We fuse domestic and international insights combining fresh expertise to build a progressive Australian agenda. Well, there's a lot of motherhood statements there, but that doesn't sound bad. CPD's core model is threefold. We create viable ideas from rigorous cross-disciplinary research at home and abroad. We connect experts and stakeholders to develop these ideas into practical policy proposals. We then work to convince government, business and civil society of the merits of implementing these proposals. CPD has offices in Sydney and Melbourne and a network of experts across Australia and abroad. We are a not-for-profit donor. We are not for profit and donations to our research fund are tax deductible. So you can sign up and you can give donations and you can get a tax deduction. However, don't do that quite now, please, listeners, because we need your money in the next two weeks for the Radiothon. Uh, The dogs have got to raise at least 6500 which is a pretty big ask. But remember that whatever you give to us, uh, you can claim on your income tax. Uh, we know that we don't have wealthy listeners uh, who, who don't normally play the taxation uh, game, but you can uh, because we are a community radio. Now, I'll tell you a little bit more about uh, the CPD because Robert's going to talk at great length about how they have got things in the newspapers. The executive summary for this uneven playing field, the state of Australia's schools, is a very interesting one. The starting point for the report is one question. 
What does the My School website data tell us about the current state of Australian schools? So this is an evidence-based report using the My School data. And over the last few weeks, we have been telling you about the research that has been that is possible even for you, dear listeners, if you want to go onto the MySchool website. You can work out all sorts of things from it. And we have Julia Gillard to thank for this because she stood up to the independent school people when they were refusing to give her their information. She didn't get all of it. We still don't have all of it. We don't have the... uh, taxation expenditures for exemptions. We don't have the enormous investments that the private school systems have got and get income from. We don't have that, but we do have how much money they get from us, the taxpayers. So uh, this is evidence-based from the My School website data. But uh, then they go on with a little bit of history, which is quite interesting. Since the colonial period, the Australian school system has been on a slow evolutionary track, broadening, deepening and opening up high-quality schooling to all children regardless of their background. But two key events occurred in the late 20th century that laid the foundations for what we have today. Well, the dogs were there, so we know about this. Firstly, in the 1970s, government funding was extended substantially to non-government schools and from the 1980s, the principles of market-based competition and consumer choice were introduced to the school system in general. The present system is aptly described as quasi-market as we have a mixture of government and non-government schools, each receiving a portion of federal and state funding, but each operating under different conditions and serving different populations, while assuming quite different obligations to the Australian community. Well, it's a very nice way of saying the state aid issue has never gone away. It is alive and well And as the dogs said in the 1960s when we were established, it will cause untold trouble. And it has. They go on in their executive summary. Our ability to provide a rigorous evidence-based diagnosis of the state of Australian schools was powerfully enhanced with the introduction of the MySchool website in 2010. Never before have we had such a wealth of data with which to examine our primary and secondary education system. Using data from 2009 to 2015, uh, this group have been able to identify a series of concerning trends that lead us to conclude that the present state of the education system is unsustainable and beset with structural problems. Well, it's been like that since... Uh, state aid was given in the 1960s and 70s, I assure you. By maintaining, since the 1980s, a quasi-market in our schools, we are creating an uneven playing field that benefits a portion of the community more than it does the remainder. We are drifting away from our ambition to provide high-quality, accessible education for everyone. Well, I'll give this over now to Robert, Uh, But I think that these people, if they keep along this track, 
will eventually reach the dog's position. Everything that we said back in the 1960s and 70s has come to pass. But Australia is a very different place to what it was in the 1960s and 70s. In the 1960s and 70s, uh, there was the old Protestant-Catholic divide, which the Catholic Church made a great deal of and claimed that uh, anybody who opposed giving them billions of dollars of public funding was sectarian. Haven't heard that argument for a long, long, long time because it didn't take very long for people to work out that genuine religious belief was not what it was about. Mm -hmm. It was about the market, insecure parents, uh, advertising, very aggressive advertising, and the more the market share uh, is a problem, the more aggressive the advertising paid for, dear listeners, with our taxation dollars – Uh, has got. But I'll hand it over now to Robert. He will read to you the rest of the executive summary and then he will deal with what the Fairfax, the Guardian and Inside Story made of this very, very comprehensive factual evidence-based report, uh, which, by the way, has been mainly done by Bonner and Shepherd, two ex-public school principals from New South Wales. Over to Robert. Thank you very much, Jean. Welcome to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. It's good to have your company. Um, we'll be back with some analysis of what's going on in education in Australia today after, after a bit of music.
Welcome back to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. The Defenders of Government Schools, which is what we do and what we continue to do and what we have done for decades and decades and decades. Unless, unless in three weeks' time there is no Dogs Program because there is no 3CR. And quite frankly, um, Radiothon is the one time of the year where 3CR calls out to its listeners and says, well, we want to. We want to keep going because community radio is important. And in fact, obviously, we think this particular radio station, Defence of Government Schools, is important. But 3CR is much bigger than us. 3CR is much, much bigger than the Dogs Program. We're just privileged to, to broadcast to you through the airwaves of 3CR. And when it comes to Radiothon time, it's time that the listeners, it is time that the listeners think carefully because we don't want 3CR to be some government-funded or corporate-funded this or that. We're a community-funded radio station, and you, dear listeners, are the community. And now is the time that we need your funds. Anyway, we've hopefully relaxed you with some lovely, lovely fugues from from Mr. Johann Sebastian Bach. Lovely fellow he is. Um, That was played by the Emerson String Quartet, and it was Contrapractus 13, Rectus et Invertus. That is, play backwards and upside down for your listening (laughs) delight. But continuing um, to... Very statistical. Very statistical. Very statistical, very mathematical, yes. Johann Sebastian Bach and the magic of numbers. Well, we're going to talk about education policy and the magic of numbers because, as Jane's quite rightly pointed out, uh, Bernie Shepherd and Chris Bonner, um, under the aegis of the Centre for Policy Development, which is called by the Australian, by the way, the Australian newspaper, as a left-wing think tank. Oh, rubbish. <laughs> anything, anything that involves analysing numbers from anything like um, a general perspective by these, apparently these days, is called left-wing. Um, you know, I've met Chris Bonner. He's not a particularly left-wing kind of guy, actually. Bernie, I've, I don't know, Jean, do you know, is he, is he some left-wing dude? Well, these people were uh, principals of public schools, high schools, very reputable high schools in New South Wales. I think one of, they've both got AMs. Isn't an AM uh, a, a recognition for public service in Australia? Well, I don't, I don't think, think that's terribly left-wing uh, Well, quite frankly, I don't, I don't think AMs have wings at all. So. <laughs> I think that's the point of an AM. <laughs> Unless, of course, you're in... Anyway, I, I won't go into that. But I'd just like to talk about what they've said, which is very interesting. They've been through the My School data, of course, and found out what's, what's happening, what has happened, and what is likely to happen when it comes to education funding. And they state as part of this report that, we, that they have long known that a more equitable system of schools has a better chance of lifting achievement for all students. Now, I'm just going to emphasise here that, that that's my own little editorial... Um, emphasis, all students, lifting the achievement of all students, which I would happen to say is in the national interest. But they go on to say, our schools are becoming less equitable. Family and personal background is having a greater impact on student achievement than is desirable, and I would say greater than it was 15 years ago. Privilege and wealth offer an initial head start and greater opportunities through schools that are available to others. From the outset, the Gonski Review of Funding from Schooling, which is, as we've often said, called the Gonski Review, is now about five years old. It carefully describes the nature and extent of the consequences for Australia, including how we stand in comparison with similar countries. Now, this report by Shepard and um, Bonner 
shows that in even the few years, the five years since Gonski reported, school equity has declined, especially in metropolitan areas and amongst secondary schools. A child's background, who their parents are, how much money their parents have, is now in Australia having a greater impact impact on their ability to succeed at school, even than when Gonski came out with his review. Now, Jean was um, singing the praises of Julian Gillard and the Gonski Review, and indeed the My School website previously, but I think it's worth pointing out that in 2011, when Gonski was given the task of investigating how the education funding model was working in Australia, he had a little note on his desk. A little note was put on his desk by Julia Gillard saying, do not look at private schools. Everything you say must be sector blind. You can't talk about private schools or independent schools or public schools. We won't let you. If you do, um, we'll give you the sack. Well, it's the same as the 1973. And, of course, anybody who knows anything in Australia knows that when a commission or when any uh, review is set up, what you look at are the terms of reference, what they're allowed to look at and what they're not allowed to look at. And this was the problem and will continue to be the problem with Gonski. However, the state school people in 1973, as with Gonski, were just desperate to get some money into the system, even if it was the crumbs that came down from the private schools. They just wanted some money. And as in 1973, the the private schools have had, again, to be paid off first. And as long as that continues, then Australia will continue to fall down the scale in the international PISA tests. And a few people are starting to wake up. Eventually, they will have to realise that the dogs were right. We have always been right. You cannot give public money to private schools and educate the whole of your population to a quality standard. You just can't do it. Indeed. Thank you for that contribution, Jean, because I think what you're saying is exactly right. Not just that we were right, but that we are right. common sense. I think it's useful. I think it's useful in the context of this education debate to highlight the fact that in 2011, Gonski was not allowed to look at sectors and whether the money they were getting was being well spent. But now in 2016, it's actually kind of getting up to the top of the agenda, which is evidenced, in fact, um, by the responses to this report by Bernie Shepherd and Chris Bonner, um, a very detailed report. And in fact, a large number of media outlets are now taking what it's saying. And what it's saying fundamentally is this is now a question we have to look at. One of the fundamental problems in terms of what's going on and the problems in Australian education system is how much money is going to kids that don't need it? How much Australian taxpayer money is going to kids that don't need it? Why do, I mean, just to use one anecdote, why do um, the children who attend the Methodist Ladies College, which have fees of up to $30,000 per year, why do children in that school receive $3,000 from the government just because? For the entire school, $6 million if you add it all up. So that school receives $6 million per annum from state and federal governments, um, even though they obviously obviously don't need it. That'd pay for a few new schools in the inner city, wouldn't it? Well, of course it would. But um, in general, I mean, Bernie Shepherd um, 
and uh, Chris Bonner have not uh, are well beyond what I'm talking about in simple anecdotal terms. They've sat down and done all the figures and done all the numbers, and they've come up with some interesting, more than say interesting, um, damning. Um, conclusions, which I say have been picked up by the media. Um, when I say picked up by the media, uh, there's an interesting article in The Age relating to this, and I hopefully will get Dale to um, share share what the media's take on what these findings are. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, I've got an article here from the 1st of June uh, from Timna Jackson, Matthew Knott, entitled Private School Students to Receive $1,000 more in government funds than public school students by 2020. Australia's education funding model is so dysfunctional that simply pumping billions of extra dollars into the system will not reverse the widening class divide between our schools, a new report has found. Mid-range private school students are on track to receive approximately $1,000 more federal and state funding than than comparable average government school students by 2020, based based on nationwide funding trends from 2009 to 2014. According to a provocative new report by the Centre for Policy Development, The findings have been described as diabolical by analysts from the centre, a think tank focused on social justice and the environment. The system is so damaged that committing to the final two years of the Gonski Agreement may not even be sufficient to resolve the sustained equity problems in our school, said lead author Chris Bonner, an outspoken public school advocate. We're sleepwalking into into a disaster, he said. To continue the way we're going now, just with more money, won't solve problems. With school funding emerging as a flashpoint in the federal election, the report Uneven Playing Field, the State of Australia's Schools, is bound to raise hackles as the parties debate the best ways to make Australia a smarter country and improve the nation's academic results. Colette Coleman, Executive Director of the Independent Schools Council of Australia, said the report was making funding projections based on flawed assumptions as the 2015-16 Commonwealth Budget papers showed federal funding for government schools outstripped funding to non-government schools. The report acknowledges this but notes that public funding to government to government schools increased by under 3% every year between 2009 to 2014, compared to a 6% increase for non-government schools. The report calls for radical reforms, including a freeze on funding increases to non-government schools, pending a review of how the funding should be more fairly distributed. The National Catholic Education Commission's Executive Director, Ross Fox, said the report's proposal to halt funding to Catholic schools would likely drive up school fees and increase taxes. Australian Education Union Federal President Corinna Haythorpe said the report was evidence that schools were in need of the full six years of Gonski funding. The Coalition has committed $1.2 billion extra for schools over three years, while Labor said it would fund the final two years of Gonski agreements worth $4.5 billion. Mr Bonner said Labor's Gonski pledge falls short of promising a new separate funding body, which would safeguard school funding against the whims of politicians by setting standards for funding. Governments don't want to give up the three- to four-year electoral cycle of making funding announcements and handing out gifts to different sectors. 
The funding for Catholic and independent schools is set to outstrip government schools by $1,000 in the next four years. Australian student performance is increasingly influenced by their socioeconomic status, the reports find, meaning the gap between poor and wealthy students is growing and that the class divide in Australia is wider than the OECD average, in addition to countries like Canada and Hong Kong. Disadvantaged schools are being starved of wealthy and high-performing students who are flocking to wealthier government and non-government schools. Wealthy schools are taking on more affluent students and shutting out poor, poorer and low-achieving students through entrance exams and high, fee, high fees, according to the report. Two-thirds of the country's wealthiest students, 66%, had enrolled in the richest schools in 2010, rising to 70% in 2015. A quarter of the student population in the nation's poorest schools came from the wealthiest families in 2010, but five years later, only one-fifth of the most advantaged students remained in the poorest school. Thank you very much, Darb. You listen to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM Dial. It's good to have your company. A fascinating report, which we're focusing on this week because I think the figures and such like um, that have come out of the report have kind of put the, I don't know, the fox in the hen house when it comes to the comfortable assumptions that the private school lobby has been using for all of these years. Um, we're going to have a few messages now and a little bit of music. And after that, we'll return with what the author himself, um, or the authors, I should say, Chris Bonner and Bernie Shepherd have to say about firstly the problems and then the reactions um, in the press. The Melbourne Documentary Film Festival features an array of Australian, international, environmental and music documentaries direct from the likes of the South by Southwest Film Festival in Texas. Playing at Howler Art Space in Brunswick from July 9th to the 11th, tickets are on sale now at Mosh Ticks and Howler. For more information, visit mdff.org.au. A 3CR supporter. Palestinians are living under a crushing occupation as exiles or as second-class citizens inside Israel. This must stop and Australia can do something about it. Right now, politicians are listening to what matters to people. They want to secure as many votes as possible this federal election. Please go to ivotepalestine.org.au and ask your candidates to pledge their support for Palestine. This is a campaign of the Australian Palestine Advocacy Network. Please spend just one minute visiting ivotepalestine.org.au. A 3CR supporter. We shall overcome. We shall overcome someday. Welcome back to the Dogs Program. Yes, lovely messages, lovely music. Um... Bernie Shepherd and Chris Bonner themselves actually on the inside story responded to um, or just a pricey of the report and various comments and criticisms. And they mentioned um, on the 1st of June that we all know election campaigns, school policy script, because we've all been here before, they say, quite cynically. Um, they say we've seen promises, Tagonski or not Tagonski, what it all costs, where the money comes from, and anyway, who says money makes a difference in the first place? Remember Christopher Pine saying money doesn't make a difference? Um, policy initiatives haven't entirely been absent. 
So policy initiatives are six-year-olds are going to be tested. Why should they miss out? And school kids will learn to swim. Profound stuff indeed. But what about the many significant problems that have been furiously avoided during these weeks? Well, Chris and Bernie say, let's start with school funding. They say, if we'd been smart, school funding would not be front and centre. We actually had a chance to put this issue to bed, they say, and get on with the educational priorities five years ago, but we as a nation did not. No, now we had, a, we, had a, we had the opportunity in 1973 when we should have stopped state aid, full stop. That's the problem. Sorry, Robert. No, it's perfectly reasonable. Uh, Bernie Shepherd and Chris Bonner probably would agree with him in part, but not in total. So back to what they say. They say... But we didn't do any of this stuff, and so now we have to deal with the consequences. Now, last year, these two authors put together an analysis called Private Schools Public Cost that showed how non-government schools were on track to be funded using public funds ahead of government school enrolling similar, similar students. Now, of course, once they'd done this, the denials from the private school lobby came thick and fast. On average, the great Australian public were told, public schools get this much and private schools get less. But the average student in one sector is different from the average student in another. Expenditure in the public sector will always be high because it involves a disproportionate number of high-cost students in high-cost locations. Um, in rural and regional Australia, just to start with, and students who have, for one, for one reason or another, been um, actively excluded from private schools. And hence the need to compare schools enrolling similar students. Which, which basically compares apples with apples. And these days, that's actually not hard to do. Then we were told the past trends don't indicate future patterns. That's possible, so we marked time for another six months. But then we found that the trends revealed this year, in 2016, were not only continuing, but they were accelerating. Non-government schools are becoming government-funded schools, as we have said for years and years and years. But Bernie and um, Mr Bonner go on to say, but... Becoming a government school is not the same as becoming a public school. Only the latter, or most of them, must be open to all children, from all families, in all places, and under all circumstances. Other schools aren't, if only because they charge fees. The big increase in their public funding means the government now has to reshape the accountabilities and obligations of private schools to better align with their level of public funding. I find it very interesting that uh, these people now feel the need to actually define public schools. And the dogs have understood that this is what you've got to do because the private schools have for many years claimed that they perform a public purpose. They don't. They perform a private purpose. And that is why the dogs, every Saturday, define public education for you. It's very important that all of the indicia of public schools are promoted. Well, Bernie and Chris actually agree with you because they say if the title private in relation to schools is to have any meaning, the funding flow has to be put on hold and an urgent review conducted into how public and private schools can operate on an even playing field. In other words, we must do what we've had avoided doing for at least four decades. Politics and the lack of mechanisms to coordinate funding means it won't happen. But doing nothing has to be accompanied by some narrative that ex explains the inexplicable. What form of words will placate public school parents who will increasingly see students in the private school down the road getting funded ahead of their own children? Ahead 
of their own children. This is just taxpayers' money. This isn't parental contributions. It's been going on for a long time. Of course it has, but now it's out in, in the open. Now, we've briefed... Well, this is, this is um, Chris and uh, Bernie. have briefed representatives of two of the main three political parties about this looming debacle. Our lasting impression is that they just wish it would go away. <laughs> it won't. As I'll Pe- tell you what As Peter do. Martin suggested in the Fairfax Media two weeks ago, and it's a fascinating article, we put it to air here, unless one of the parties develops a policy that's actually thought through, we're likely to drift into the next election with the private schools more heavily government-funded than government schools and no-one thinking that that's un- at all unusual. Well, I think that what should happen is that all of the little children in the North Melbourne flats should turn up down at Halebury and say that they should be given entrance because they're paying for it. The scary thing for me, sorry to interrupt, um, yeah. is that not only are they getting more, but none of it's accountable. No, no. At no point in time do they have to say... What did we do? How did we spend it? As the Auditor General pointed out when he did the report in, in Catholic Education in Victoria, the Catholic Education Office says we do it our way, get stuffed. Oh, don't Go worry. away. Don't worry. The Labor Party are saying, yes, they will give more Gonski money, but it's all going to be accounted for. But uh, given the past, that's just not happened. Rubbish. The Catholic Education Office just laughs at them oh, and yeah. runs you know, all the Gons- way to the bank. And Gonski wasn't allowed to <laughs> consider the private... Okay, well, Chris and Bernie have done a, syn- a synopsis of what their entire report, and we do actually recommend you, you link to it on our website. It's a fascinating report. Um, our website, by the way, is www.adogs.info. And it will That's be www.adogs.info. And it'll be in the media section. It will indeed, yes. Thank you, Jean. Um, now, they say if you take a snapshot of what's going on at the moment, there are several problems. The revelations about school funding in our previous reports on the Australian schools came from the data behind the federal government's My School website. And My School, now in its seventh year, keeps delivering and evolving. This current r- report um, about how things have changed even since last year uh, is called Uneven Playing Fields and the State of Australian Schools outlines several issues. The first one, of course, is equity. Equity in schooling. Now, improving equity requires increasing the impact of schools relative to the impact of family background on student student achievement. What that's saying is that if you have high equity, it doesn't matter who your parents are, everyone gets a fair go. All schools, all schools in Australia, if you have high equity, give the children the same opportunities. Now, Australia's equity slope is steeper than similar countries. That is, we are less equitable. Using the socioeconomic indices and the NAPLAN data on the My School, they have actually created um, markers of Austra- for Australia schools. And these actual, these, what's happening functionally, they say the slope of the graph, but what's happening functionally is that we are becoming acceleratingly more inequitable. It, we are accelerating into greater and greater unfairness. School outcomes are increasingly created by not, not what by schools do, but by whom they enrol. Now that in itself is a travesty. That in itself is a scandal. That in itself is a political reality that, that, that needs to be addressed. Inequity is greatest in metropolitan areas and for secondary schools, the place and level of schooling where choice, choice is greatest. Another issue, shifting enrolments. 
We're also witnessing a shift in student enrolments. Commonly describes the drift to private schools, but better describes the shift from lower socioeconomic educational advantage schools to ones where all the kids are richer. On average, rich kids' schools are growing bigger and faster. And just as Gonski warned, the evidence shows that increasing concentration of poor kids in low schools, um, this, 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 is, this is the consequence. This is the consequence. And I know Jean doesn't like me talking about it, but when it comes to the whole debate about my school and my child and our schools and our children, every time I hear, and I hear it a lot, well, I had to send my child to a private school. I had to send my child to, to that school because that is of the greatest advantage to them, and I would be a bad parent if I did not. That, that, no, no, I can see the argument. But what I'm saying is that argument doesn't exist in isolation. Every time... You have white flight. Every time where a bunch of people come together and make sure that other people who aren't like them can't be enrolled in their schools, every time you do that, there are consequences. And that's I'm, what Bernie... And I'm, I'm quite happy to tell them they're being bad parents, actually. <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm not. But I'm, all I'm saying is that the my child, our child dilemma is real and this is what's happening. All right, then. They're not sensible parents. Well, yes, indeed. They're, they're, they're not sensible on a number of issues, not just economic. They're not sensible because the future for their child lies in learning to live with their fellow Australians. And in a state school, particularly the school that my grandchild goes to and my children went to, there were just children, so many children from so many different backgrounds. And that in itself is a wonderful education. If you start sending your child to a private school which has selected children and um, gives them uh, a, a strange version of whatever their religious beliefs are, then you're limiting that child's future greatly. That's, th- a, that's a tragedy. Moving on. The third... Uh problem and big issue as they see it, that's what's going on in Australia today, is there's now a gap in student achievement between advantaged and disadvantaged schools and advantaged and disadvantaged uh, um, students. Um, off the top of my head from the latest PISA study, the results came out in 2012, it's two and a half years. Two and a half years if you're rich and poor in terms of your achievement in a school, which I think is absolutely scandalous. Another issue, I mean, this keeps going, the socioeconomic hierarchy of schools. Now, student achievement aside, the qualitative and quantitative shifts in student enrolments have other consequences. The socioeconomic hierarchy of schools we've developed, I'm in process of developing and have developed, reveals a multi-tiered rather than two-tiered arrangement, both within and between school sectors. In loose terms, the same hierarchy emerges if the schools are ranked by levels of school fees or by NAPLAN results. Also, and this is a broader question as well, there there is no such thing as a school community anymore. For two-thirds of Australian schools, the local community is increasingly not the school community. More than ever before, students go elsewhere to school, or the local school's enrolment students come from somewhere else. It is very noticeable that disadvantaged schools have enrolments of less advantage than the people who live nearby. Again, many questions need to be answered, including about the development of social and cultural capital in its community, and I would say um, traffic problems. <laughs> Have anyone been for a drive on a school run in the inner east of Melbourne lately? It's absolute madness. 
Funding follies is another issue. Gonski findings that we don't have a logical, consistent and public transparent approach to funding schools was actually spot on. There are inexplicable differences in the funding roles of state and federal governments, and they continue. Distributions and rate of increases in school fundings vary considerably between state to state, and they're just put in with no explanation at all. The Andrews government was the first thing they did. 25% of all public funding to state schools goes to private schools from the state government. Coffers, no questions asked. We don't care what your kids look like. We don't care if they're advantaged or they need it or not. Here it is. Money for you. That's on top of federal funding. I still, for Another. some reason, believe that there's this mystical thing called the Catholic vote. I'm not sure that it's there anymore. Indeed. We're coming to the end of our program now, but the final, the final issue that Bernie Shepherd and Chris Bonner highlight is that the MySchool data gives some insight into claims about the complex relationship between money and student achievement. Our highest investment is in schools at both ends of the disadvantaged advantage spectrum. Schools at the former end are serving high-cost students in high-cost locations. How can I say? Um, a poor child in a remote area of Australia. A high-cost student in a high-cost location. At the advantaged end, this is the opposite. We are pouring the money into them as well, from both public and private sources, into schools where students do no better than students attending equally advantaged, though less generously funded schools. Which is what a lot of people are starting to work out, just to finish off on this. There are people who are working out, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a well-educated parent. I've got lots of money. I'm going to send my child to the best school. I'm going to send my child to a state school. I'm going to send my child to a state school because, you know what, they're going to do well because I'm going to support them, I'm going to love them, I'm going to look after them. And that is, in fact, what matters, not how, how, how many hundreds of thousands of dollars I spend on their education. And people talk about, well, they're not buying an education, they're buying a network. Mm. Well, I suppose that's true as well. But if they're just buying a network, quite frankly, my taxpayers' money shouldn't necessarily go to be funding that. And on that note, we've come to the end of our program. It's been lovely to have your company here on the Dogs Program. And as Jean quite rightly pointed out at the beginning, um, if the dogs aren't here in a month, because 3CR's not here in a month, that would be bad. Mm. And so therefore we need to come to the aid of the station. 3CR 855 on the AM dial. Radiothon's coming up. And as Jean said, there's some interesting merchandise down at the station itself. But we shall return on the dogs program next week. But before we go, I'd just like to remind you, if you have anything we've said sort of makes you think, really? Really? Is that true? Um, You can check it out on our website at www.adogs.info. That's www.adogs.info. But until then... Until next week, it's bye from now. Bye for now. I dreamed I saw Joe Hill last night Alive as you and me Says I, but Joe, you're ten years dead I never died, says he, I never died, says he. In Salt Lake City, Joe, says I, him standing by my bed, they framed you on a murder charge, says Joe, but I ain't dead. 
copper bosses killed you, Joe. They shot you, Joe, says I. Takes more than guns to kill a man, says Joe. I didn't die, says Joe. I didn't die. And standing there as big as life, and smiling with his eyes, says Joe, what they can never kill. Went on to organize. Went on to organize. From San Diego up to Maine, in every mine and mill, where workers strike and organize, it's there you find your hill. It's there you find. Sir. Mm-hmm.